Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. Expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for July 18th, 2018. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the most anticipated panels of San Diego Comic-Con International 2018, which begins later today. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta, and joining me today is my team in San Diego, Slash Film Managing Editor Jacob Hall. Hello, hello. Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And writer Chris Evangelista. Hi. <laughs> uh, okay, so let, guys, let's start off talking about uh, what, what our history with Comic Con. Uh, Comic Con, uh, for those who are in living their lives in uh, in the dark, uh, is a convention that happens every year in San Diego. It's been happening for decades. Uh, you know, in the last over the last uh, I think fifteen years, it's kind of been co opted by Hollywood. First with the movies, now later with the TV. It used to be about comic books. Now it's very hard to even find comic books there. Uh, but uh, we go there every year to cover the panels, and there are usually some big reveals. Some of them will end up online, like trailers. Others, uh, you know, are exclusive for so people in the room in Hall H. Um, by the way, I will be rerunning uh, on the site sometime this week. Uh, you can find it, the best of Comic-Con, the coolest and most important moments in a Hall H history. I will link that in the show notes here as well um but uh before we get going i wanted to kind of like talk about our experiences with comic-con uh i think i probably have been going there the most years i've been going i think i started uh the first year i was there john favreau was there showing the first footage from the first iron man so i guess that was 11 years ago 12 years ago i don't know something like that um so I've been going there quite a long time. I, 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 you know, lived through the boom of, you know, Hollywood studios, like, you know, thinking that Comic-Con was the big key to selling their big, you know, blockbuster movies to, uh, you know, Twilight taking over Comic-Con and uh, the lines getting, uh, the lines and crowds getting too insane to Hollywood, uh, you know, the movie studios deciding that Comic-Con probably wasn't worth it to TV taking over. Um Jacob, what is your experience with Comic-Con thus far? Uh, this will be my second year at Comic-Con. I covered it from from afar for years. Uh, for for 10 years of my writing career, I was the guy who stayed home while everybody else went. 
and I get to write up all the breaking news and post all the stories as they were uh, getting written up and ready by the team on the ground. Uh, so I went for the first time last year, and I had a bit of a, a mixed reaction to it. I think Comic-Con itself is a ton of fun. There's tons of things to do there if you're a fan. Uh, lots of niche and mainstream panels. Lots of great shopping to do. Uh, covering it is a royal pain in the ass. Uh, I, I left Comic-Con last year feeling really grumpy about covering it. Uh, but I, I, I got a, the impression after you left last year that you were never going to come to Comic-Con ever again. <laughs> so I was so surprised I, when we were getting ready to prep this year's Comic-Con. You came to me and were like, Peter, I want to go. Uh, yeah, it's it's a case where like in the immediate aftermath, it was exhausting. It's it's you know days of um, standing in line and being surrounded by thousands of people and lots of writing very quickly. Uh, but it's also a place where like magical things happen. Like I met some of my heroes, and I managed to find some really cool things that been that I, I books and finds and things I was happy to uh, locate and spend money on. And I saw some really cool things early. I mean, I know people roll their eyes about, you know, it being a convention of advertising. But when you're in a room with thousands of people who share your passions, it's a magical, um, you know, experience of, of feeling um, like you belong to a, a community and a community that sometimes smells really bad and needs to pack deodorant, but it's a community that it was uh, infectious all the same. Yeah, and uh, you know it also should be noted. You know, mostly you know most of the time this year, you know we are working together online in a Slack channel. But this is one of the rare occasions where a lot of us get to get together in one room and hang out. You know, I got to meet you for the first time in person at Comic Con last year and hang out. And that part of it's fun. Being in the yeah. war of it with you know you, you guys uh, is the fun part uh, for me. And seeing the footage, it's it's everything else. It's the- I'm really nervous about meeting Chris. I'm going to, I'm going to meet Chris uh, Evangelista for the first time, and I'm really nervous that he's going to hate me. I, I, well, am I going to be cool enough to be Chris's friend? That's what, that's what I'm really concerned about. Oh, you, you do not have to worry about that. I'm very <laughs> disappointing in person. So, uh. <laughs> Chris, this is your first year at Comic-Con. Have you ever been to any conventions, like, uh, comic conventions? Uh, no, this is this will be my first year, and I am already exhausted. So we haven't even left yet. So I don't know how it's going to go. But I'm I am excited to experience it, but I'm also uh, a little <laughs> weary and dreading it ever so slightly. But I am I also have very bad social anxiety, so any social situation uh, fills me with dread. But I am going to give it my give it my all. Uh, what are you expecting? Are you expecting that you will come out of this? I know you cover, you know, conventions for us. I mean, not conventions, sorry, uh, film festivals for us on, on the site. Uh, but that's, you know, that's a much more leisurely experience. I think, you know, you get to walk around Toronto, go to the next screening this, you're running all over the place. I mean, you don't even know what to expect. So what are you expecting going into this? Uh, I'm expecting a lot of lines. Uh, every everything. Anytime anyone talks about Comic Con, they talk about lines. So I'm assuming there are just nonstop lines everywhere. So that's all I'm expecting is lines. And I guess at the end of those lines, I may or may not see footage from films, but mostly lines. Yeah, and this year probably you'll see footage from films, and that that footage will be online seconds later, and we'll we'll, we'll have nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but okay, uh, Brad, you've been going, going to, to Comic Con for quite some time. First uh, with first showing, and now with us. Uh, how many years have you been there? Do you know? Uh, my first one, I believe, was in two thousand nine, uh, because there was the big Tron Legacy thing where they had Flynn's Arcade set up, um, and they had like that awesome 
installation where you got to walk through Flynn's uh, lab and go into the end of line club and, and all that jazz. Uh, so I think that was my no, that was my first year because yeah because they had a screening of Scott Pilgrim that year and everything so yeah that was yeah, at so. the peak that was peak Comic Con I'm wondering like you know you are one of the few people that every year when I'm like you know we're trying to plan our Comic Con coverage you're like I'm going like you're, you're so excited to go to Comic Con or like is do you still are you still as excited about Comic Con as you were back then um yes and no like I mean it's it's one of those things where it's it's become daunting knowing just how much running around and how exhausting the work aspect of Comic-Con is. But it's one of those things, too, where like I, I don't ever feel like I can complain about it because when I'm there and I'm in the thick of it, like I'm enjoying it. There's a lot going on. There's cool stuff to see. I, I always buy something cool. I always stumble upon something that I wasn't expecting to see. I'm always blown away by new footage of something. Um, there's always you know a, a fun party or two. And so, and and this is at the end of the day, this is like, this is one of the things that people, you know, are dying to go to. Like for a lot of people, like this going to San Diego Comic Con is a bucket list thing. So I'm never going to be like, oh my god, I hate this so much. This is so stupid, because um, it, it's it's a it's tiring for work for sure. But it's honestly, you know, it's it's a big you know geeky gathering of people who love all the stuff that we love. You know, everyone's excited to talk about stuff. It's you know, it's it's kind of like. It's it's a much more intense and tiring uh, vibe, but it's similar to that of Sundance, where everyone at Sundance is excited about watching movies. Everyone in line is talking about movies. Everyone wants to know, you know, what you're excited about, where the coolest stuff is, and so it's you know it's it's like a big nerdy you know fair in that way. And it's I um, I, I dread it on some level, but I'm 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 never gonna turn down the chance to you know to to go to Comic Con and see what's what's being offered. Yeah, I, th- I I don't want to sound disingenuous here because I, I think at, at the core here, I mean, well, Chris has never been, but uh, the three of us that have been to Comic-Con, we we enjoy the best parts of it greatly. It's just the worst parts of it, <laughs> um, you know, balance it out quite a bit. Like, I love being in Hall H for, like, a Marvel or a Warner Brothers presentation. Like, you can't beat the en- energy, the atmosphere in that room, not knowing what you're going to see, who's going to show up. Um, it, I've, I've had some of the most magical experiences in that uh, convention room. Uh, so we should probably talk about what we're going to see this year because we did a roundup for the site our top five 15 panels uh, this year at the convention. Um, and, uh, you know, not to give any spoilers for this, but it's interesting how many of these panels are not in Hall H this year. Like, it's kind of a, you know, th- I think we've talked on the, this podcast in the past, you know, HBO decided not to show up this year. Marvel decided not to show up this year. So there's a lot less of, like, the heavy hitters are, are not here. And there's a lot of, like, little stuff that we're going to be running around trying to, con- uh, to, to you know, cover. And uh, let's let's start off this ranking with number fifteen, and that is Twin Peaks. That's something that Chris is uh, particularly excited uh, a panel uh, to see. Chris, tell us about it. Oh uh, yeah, so I'm not expecting anything new from this panel in that you know they're not going to announce a new season or anything like that. But uh, a bulk of the cast of the show will be there: Cheryl Lee, Sherilyn Fenn, Majin Amick. Uh, and they'll just be talking about the legacy of the show, both, you know, the original series that aired and the very amazing uh, Showtime revival from last year. So, uh, you know, that revival was one of my like favorite pieces of entertainment from last year. So I'm very excited to just hear what they have to say about it as a whole. 
uh, 14 on our list is another TV show, and that is Star Trek Discovery. Jacob, uh, you're a Star Trek fan. Uh, why are you looking forward to this panel? Well, I know the reaction to Star Trek Discovery Season 1 was mixed, uh, but if you look go back through history, with the exception of the original series, uh, every single first season of a Star Trek show has always been one of the worst seasons. It always takes a uh, Star Trek show a few years to find its groove. Uh, so if history tells us anything, Star Trek Discovery Season 2 is going to be really good. And this panel is going to offer, hopefully, our first extended look at what Season 2 could be, uh, what's going going on with it what changes they've made, what adjustments they've incorporated uh, after learning, you know, what didn't work in season one. And season two is an interesting place because the showrunners uh, were fired and replaced uh, behind the scenes. So season two could be a very different thing. It could be a thing where um, all the issues we had with season one uh, could be gone. It could be, it could find its voice and be the greatest Star Trek show that I think it really could be. So uh, fingers crossed that this panel will be us learning that. Yeah, one of the big movie studios coming to Comic-Con this year is 20th Century Fox. They're bringing a, a bunch of different films. They strangely are not bringing their new X-Men film and even more strangely have a panel in Hall H on, I think, Saturday night for Deadpool 2, a movie that's already out. Uh, Brad, you wrote up about this for the site. What do you, what do you think about this? Yeah, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit strange. Uh, normally... We don't have panels like this for movies that have already come out unless it's some kind of celebratory panel and an anniversary or something like that. But it does have something to show off since they're doing a special screening of the the uncut version of Deadpool. It's supposed to be extended and have new stuff put in it. We don't know the extent to which as far as uh, just how the movie is different from the cut that ended up in theaters. But they do have that to promote. And I imagine... You know, the panel will probably be something akin to, uh, you know, Ryan Reynolds and maybe some other cast members showing up and having just a good time with the crowd answering questions. Maybe even Ryan Reynolds will show up as Deadpool and maybe do the panel in character. I think that's maybe. Oh, that would be awesome. That's probably the coolest thing that could happen at the panel. Uh, But either way, I think it'll be fun for for fans. You know, Ryan Reynolds is is a good time just just to listen to uh, talk and answer questions and all that jazz. So. If, if anything, it'll be an entertaining, fun panel, even if there's nothing revelatory that comes out of it. But at the same time, there could be some kind of surprise announcement about X-Force, uh, maybe a Deadpool 3 or something like that. So there might be something uh, that we're not expecting com- coming out of it. Yeah, we could get some surprises. And you're also going to go to that screening uh, at Comic-Con and, and do a reaction, kind of uh, you know, outline, I guess, some ways that the cut is different. Indeed, I mean, yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll be checking. And we'll we'll see exactly what this uncut version of Deadpool is like. Yes, and uh, number twelve on our list is the George R. R. Martin TV series Night Flyers. Uh, it's shocking that this is what's on our list at number twelve. Jacob, you are excited for this. Tell us about the panel. I am, and the reason I'm excited is that uh, George R. R. Martin uh, was a screenwriter, uh, TV writer, and novelist for decades before Game of Thrones. The decades before he even wrote the first book in the '90s. Uh, so. He's found success extremely late in his life. He's like, uh, and we'll start that. He's found blockbuster success extremely late in his life. Um, so he has this entire career, this entire body of work of short stories and novels and scripts that were written before he was a big deal. And Night Flyers, which I have not read, uh, is this uh, science fiction horror uh, series of novellas and short stories from the 80s about a uh, doomed uh, space uh space flight uh, into the cosmos uh, full of all kinds of monsters and rogue AI and so on. And it's being made into a TV show for sci-fi. And 
this is so exciting because everyone knows George R. R. Martin from Game of Thrones and uh, those characters in his fantasy settings. Uh, but I think it's gonna be exciting to see, you know, filmmakers and TV shows start to really explore the corners of his career that existed before that. Uh, it's sort of, it's almost as if, um, imagine if Stephen King didn't find success until he was in his sixties. Uh, and that's kind of what you have with George R. R. Martin. He's not quite as prolific, but he has all this stuff that's been untouched and unseen by mass audiences. And the fact that we'll be able to start looking into this is very exciting. Also, another TV panel that we will be covering is our number 11. It's the Amazon Prime panel, which is going to be chronicling four different shows. Brad, you wrote about this for the site. Uh, why are we excited? There's a ton of shows that Amazon Prime is bringing to Comic-Con to show off. Um, that's why they have a two-hour panel on Friday in Ballroom 20. So they can give each of them a little bit of time to get them in front of Comic-Con's audience. And it's quite an eclectic mix of shows they have coming out. Uh, one of them is The Tick, which is returning for another season uh, on Amazon. So obviously, since it's based on a comic, that's something that the Comic-Con audience is excited to see. But um, on top of that, The Expanse, which they picked up from Cancellation, is also going to be uh, teased there as well. But then the rest of it is all the new stuff that's coming uh, in future months. And that includes the highly promoted Jack Ryan series starring John Krasinski. Uh, it's the latest take on the character created by Tom Clancy. And uh, it looks like it could be a solid series. It seems like Paramount Television has put a lot of money into it, and it could be something to keep an eye on. Maybe potentially Amazon's uh, biggest sort of blockbuster project that they have coming up soon. Uh, Sam Esmail, the creator of Mr. Robot, also has a show that's on the way. It's called Homecoming. Uh, it is a psychological thriller. It's based on the podcast of the same name. And it's got uh, a pretty impressive cast that includes Julia Roberts, Stephen James, Bobby Cannavale. Um, follows a caseworker at a secret government facility and a soldier who is looking to rejoin civilian life. So um, this definitely looks a little bit more on the, the grounded uh, thriller side of things. But with a cast like that and Sam Esnell behind the series, that's definitely going to be something uh, that we're looking forward to seeing footage from. We also have a show called Good Omens that is based on Neil Gaiman's uh, beloved book series. That's something that fantasy fans are definitely going to be excited to see the fo first footage from. Neil Gaiman is always uh, a huge presence at, at Comic-Con, and ev every fan of his is always interested to see any kind of adaptation of his work, whether it's TV, film, or whatnot. Um, a another... Uh, series that Amazon has is called Lore, which is an, another show that's also based on a podcast. This one's more of an anthology horror series uh, focusing on different nonfiction, um, terrifying tales. It's produced by Gail Ann Hurd, who produced The Terminator and uh, The Walking Dead and Aliens. So that's uh, an exciting name to have behind a series like this. Lore is an extremely popular podcast, and I'm sure that there's a big fan base that's interested to see how the podcast effectively translates to a TV adaptation. I think my biggest hope is that this could be something along the lines of like an Are You Afraid of uh, the Dark for Adults, maybe? Um, and Or you know, even comparing it to something as uh, obvious as The Twilight Zone or something like that you know, is possible, too. But this does seem to steer a little more towards the, the horror side of things rather than uh, the sci-fi elements that Twilight Zone usually um, featured on, on the show. And uh, it, it, it's crazy. This panel is happening in Ballroom 20 up against uh, the Glass and Halloween panel as well as the Bumblebee panel. So, like, we're for the first time 
the uh, the slash film Avengers are going to be split up all over the place this year at Comic Con because there's just stuff going on all over, all over the place that we have to cover. Uh, number ten uh, on our list is the Purge TV show. Uh, Jacob, you are particularly excited about this. Tell us about it. Yeah, well, I've, I'm a big fan of the Purge movies. I've talked about this on the podcast before. I think they're uh, they managed to uh, blend uh, social commentary with lurid horror and gore in a way I found. I found uh, really appealing and interesting and worth seeing and discussing. Uh, but the movies are kind of running their course. The most recent movie, The First Purge, it did, it, it's opened well to box up. It's doing okay business, but it's definitely on the lesser end of the movies. And it's clear that the movies are kind of running out of things to say. So the move to TV is very interesting. Uh, in fact, the Blumhouse wants to keep the, the Purge alive in an era where it's becoming more and more relevant and has more to say and comment on. is interesting that they see that they can... Uh, adjust it to long-form, uh, small-screen uh, storytelling, and uh, keep it moving. And details on uh, the Purge TV show aren't like widely known, but we do know that it's a sort of like a 24-esque series where it takes place over the course of one night, the whole season of 10 episodes. And so we see like uh, the Purge night where uh, all uh, everything, every, uh, everything is legal on Purge night, so lots of murder, lots of mayhem. And we're going to see in a lot more detail, meet a lot of people, be able to explore from a lot of different angles. And I don't know if it's going to work. Uh, I, I'm not sold on entirely, but the concept of um, of unshackling the purge from a 90-minute runtime and allowing us to sort of uh, see what people from all angles of society, um, all backgrounds, all belief systems, and see how the, the entire citizenry of this future world reacts um, and really spend time with that could be really fascinating and i'm excited to see some footage and see if it will work as well as i hope it does okay we are in the top nine and it's strange to see that we actually you know two of our top nine are actually kind of retrospective panels which is is kind of crazy that you know usually you know the top nine are kind of heavy hitters at comic-con but uh, my uh, the number nine which i wrote about for the site is star wars the clone wars the 10th anniversary panel uh lucasfilm and dave filoni are coming to comic-con and it's strangely this panel is not in hall h it's not in ballroom 20 it's not even in i think the the uh the space that's the third largest uh uh, space at comic-con it's in a small room and uh, i'm sure you know we're going to get be greeted to uh you know emotional stories of having this cast and crew back together on stage but I've also heard murmurings uh, that they uh, they might actually have uh, some news to uh, for us, some Star Wars news, probably in the animated capacity. Uh, so we will, I will be there in that room trying to cover it for the site. Uh, let's talk about number eight, and that is Predator, one of the other uh, 20th Century Fox panel at the convention. Brad, you wrote up with us for the site. What do we know? Yeah, so we know that the Predator is coming out later this year. the The movie is set for release in September. So obviously, Comic Con is the perfect place to showcase some new footage that people haven't seen yet for the movie. And this is, you know, Predator's been around since 1987. It's a very popular action film fr- from that decade. It's been influential on plenty of filmmakers. And this comeback's very exciting, simply because Shane Black is directing it, and he did such a great job with Iron Man three and the Nice Guys. You know, was uh, underseen and certainly acclaimed and so having him uh, who was a supporting star on the original predator behind the camera for this franchise revival 
is pretty exciting. And even though the first teaser trailer was a little bit clunky and disappointing, the most recent trailer is what is really getting people excited for this movie and what finally got me on board uh, to, to actually, you know, anticipating this panel at Comic-Con. So the Shane Black's going to be there. The cast is going to be there. I'm sure they'll show us uh, some footage from the movie. I don't know if they're going to release a new trailer or not, but it sure, certainly wouldn't be out of the ordinary for them to do so. But it's there. There should be some good stuff to see from this movie, and I, I hope Shane Black can deliver something that's cool. Number seven on our list is a new TV series from Matt Groening, uh, the creator of The Simpsons. It's Disenchantment from Netflix. Chris, you wrote this, wrote about this uh, for the list. Uh, why are you excited for this? Uh, yeah, Disenchantment, uh, as you said, it's from Matt Groening, who did The Simpsons, but he also, of course, did Futurama, and this very much looks like futurama but set in the past and i'm okay with that because i loved futurama i mean it has pretty much almost the same voice cast it has that same style of animation the the same animation house is doing the animation and uh you know we don't know a whole lot about this yet other than you know it's it's a mac raining netflix series but based on everyone involved i'm i'm pretty excited to learn more about it just because you know for its first few seasons at least futurama was one like one of my favorite shows on tv and i'm sure this this panel will give us a better look at the show as a whole yeah we we just saw a first look of that i think last week so i'm sure we'll see like a trailer at that uh Maybe maybe it'll even be online. If not, we'll we'll definitely have a reaction on the site. Uh, number six on the list, I think, was very up high up on Jacob's list, and that is Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, Jacob, tell us about it. Uh, as you may remember, Brooklyn Nine Nine was briefly canceled earlier this year, following its fifth season on Fox, where it was rescued about twenty four hours later by NBC. And that reason, I think this panel is going to be especially exciting because. Instead of being a grim farewell to a beloved show, it's going to be a celebration of a show that's been given a second lease on life. It's going to, it's getting a sixth season. And I think the energy in that room, in that panel, is going to be infectious with people uh, both in the crowd and on the panel itself excited to be there, excited this is not the last time that they will be gathered together to represent this show. And I, I don't know if they definitely won't have footage because they haven't started filming a season six yet. Uh, but one thing I'm hoping we can relay in our coverage, I'll be in this panel. Uh, is the feeling in that room because I think, I think I'm looking forward to it being an extremely warm, comforting, funny um, experience, uh, which is the best way to describe Brooklyn Nine Nine itself. And I'm really hoping that um, we all come away from this feeling like feeling good about ourselves, which is how I feel when I watch this show. Number five on our list is two corners of the Spider-Man universe, uh, the Venom spinoff and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the animated series. Uh, one of which we're excited for, one of which we really are not. Brad, you wrote about this for the site. Uh, why, are, why are we excited or not? These are two very different projects with two very different appro- uh, approaches to Spider-Man uh, comics. Uh, Venom is the one that people are a little bit more leery and skeptical about simply because it can be difficult to make Venom work as a character by himself without Spider-Man as his nemesis. There's definitely some good comics with Venom as an anti-hero and as a character, Eddie Brock uh, is fascinating, which is why he's such a beloved character in the Spider-Man universe to begin with. But so far, what we've seen from the movie hasn't been that impressive. Uh, it seems kind of goofy, even with someone like Tom Hardy in the role, acting his heart out and putting in such an earnest performance. There's still a lot that you know needs to be proven by this movie. So hopefully they bring some good stuff and they have footage to show that will convince fans that this is something worth 
investing in, uh, especially if it's not going to end up being part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as the producers keep saying it's not. Um, you know, maybe, fingers crossed, they're just trying to hide it so that it's a surprise when it actually happens. But if it's not, then they definitely have an uphill battle to make this a franchise that fans want to invest in. Meanwhile... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Peter. I was going to say, is, is there any chance that Sony could surprise us with a, you know, something relating to uh, the, the second Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man Far From Home, at this panel? Um... I think it's possible, but I think because that's a that's a co-production with Marvel Studios now, I think that that they would have some hoops to jump through with that, especially with the way they're not doing much to promote Spider-Man: Far From Home right now, considering the ending of Avengers: Infinity War. Um, so I think that that's something where Marvel and Studio are, are working close together on that, and so I don't I don't think Sony's going to have anything for. I mean, it would be cool, and I would love that, but I I, I wouldn't get get I, I wouldn't get my hopes up. Okay, and they're also showing Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Tell us about that. Yeah, this is something that I'm actually surprisingly excited about. Uh, the footage we've seen from this movie so far from the trailer has been fantastic. The animation style is something that we haven't really seen on the big screen before. And the most exciting thing about this film, I think, is that it allows for an approach to Spider-Man that isn't easily done on the big screen in live action. We're really diving into the bigger Spider-Man universe where the movies just aren't about Spider-Man and his key villains, but about multiple people that have, uh, you know, been bitten by radioactive spiders, have the powers of Spider-Man, uh, people like Miles Morales, uh, who is an, uh, a younger version of Spider-Man and he's getting mentored by Peter Parker, who's been doing this job for a while. You know, Spider-Gwen shows up in there too. There, I believe there's supposed to be some other, uh, spider related heroes um showing up in there we also get we're gonna see villains that we haven't seen on the big screen in the spider-man universe uh at least before we know there's a a crazy version of green goblin in there uh kingpin's gonna be in this one and so this this i think that what's cool about this is that animation allows them to dive into much more wild and stylish territory that live action hinders them from when it's something that they have to ground you know in the quote-unquote real world and if this movie is successful, I think that it would be awesome to see studios really start to dig into doing more animated comic book movies so that we can see some of these otherworldly comic book stories that would be so expensive to do in live action and do them in animation instead. Yeah, I know Disney did Big Hero 6, but I would love to see Disney Animation do a story, you know, Maybe not set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but, you know, more a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, maybe including some of those characters. Uh, but let's move on to our number four, and that is a Breaking Bad reunion slash Better Call Saul. Uh, Chris, you are extremely excited for this. Tell us about it. Uh, yes, I'm actually I'm more excited about the Better Call Saul part than Breaking Bad because I'm one of those weirdos who thinks Better Call Saul is better than Breaking Bad. Uh, I'm with you there. I, I actually think uh, the last season of Break uh, Better Call Saul was much better than any of the seasons of Breaking Bad. It's a great show. I mean, I don't think Breaking Bad is bad. I just think Better Call Saul has surpassed it. So this panel, um, you know, it's two things. It's gonna you know have the big. 10 year anniversary where pretty much every single person involved with breaking bad, uh, the cast at least is going to be there. And then there's the better call Saul panel, which is going to be about the upcoming season, season four, which, uh, premieres in August. So I'm very excited to learn more about, you know, the upcoming season. And I'm sure, you know, the, the breaking bad reunion will have some, you know, interesting, uh, anecdotes about the, the creation of that show. 
Yeah, for sure. And um, you know, we should uh, number three on our list is Bumblebee from Paramount Pictures. Uh, it, it's kind of surprising a movie, <laughs> a Transformers movie, is that high up on their list. But maybe that goes to show, you know, how few uh, big tentpole movies are kind of being paraded at this year's Comic-Con. I think, uh, you know, I'm the most excited about this. Uh, Seeing that footage uh, that they've released uh, with uh, Bumblebee and the star of the film, uh, it's just so, like, such a tender uh, moment. It has me excited, especially, you know, the director, uh, Travis, who, you know, comes from Stop motion animation world of Leica. Uh, you know, I'm excited to see what he can do in live action uh, films. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see more of this. Uh, I, I'm a bit worried that it's going to end up being just another Transformers movie, even though, you know, Michael Bay is really not heavily involved in this one. Uh, but um, we'll have to see. And who knows? Uh, you know, uh, if you look at my list, the best of Comic-Con, the coolest and most important moments in Hall H history, a lot, if you notice, a lot of what is in there is surprises. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've been asking people throughout this podcast, you know, do you think they could surprise us with this? Do you think they could surprise us with that? Um, you know, uh, Brad suggesting that Ryan Reynolds could come out dressed as de- in character as Deadpool is kind of a surprise. Uh, you know, not much of the not many of these properties that we're talking to today have the potential of surprises. I'm wondering with Paramount bringing Bumblebee to Hall H, if they could surprise us with some other Transformers universe news. And uh, is that even something we'd be excited for? I don't know. Um, you know, the, you know, there's been rumors in Optimus Prime standalone movie, which uh, I'm not sure if anybody wants at this point. But, but Bumblebee, I am excited for. And our number two on our list, if there is any panel that has the potential to surprise us, it is this panel, I think. And that is the Warner Brothers panel. Uh, they come every year to Hull H on Saturday mo- uh, morning, usually. And uh, this is the one panel where... The drapes on the walls of Call H uh, get cleared out, and the whole, the entire wall of Hall H becomes a huge projection screen. And uh, Warner Brothers knows how to bring a show to Hall, to Hall H. Uh, you know, they have not told us what films are going to be there. Um, we, we do expect, you know, the superhero films like Aquaman and Wonder Woman 1984 will probably be there. Shazam. Uh, maybe uh, what beyond DC, maybe uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, um, um, Mowgli, the Jungle Book uh, film from Andy Serkis, uh, the new Fantastic Beasts movie, the Lego movie 2. Um, maybe we could see something from Creed 2. I'm not sure if that's the right audience for it. But uh, Warner Brothers is t- typically, you know, brings some people that we don't expect to be there. They announce projects there. They've shown us concept trailers for movies that were not even announced uh, at that panel. So I think I'm most excited about the Warner brothers panel, which is our number two on our list because there is that possibility for surprise. And all of us are going to be in hall H huddled in a corner, trying to cover this the best we can. So uh, I, I would really recommend coming back to the site on Wednesday morning from 10:30 a.m. to till uh, 1 o'clock p.m. to you know to join us for the surprises that could be coming from this Warner Brothers panel. And it, it's honestly it's shocking to me 
we all voted on this ranking. It's shocking to me that this Warner Brothers panel is not number one on their list. But you guys uh, and me, I mean, we're all excited for the, uh, this other panel. It, I know it's Chris's most anticipated thing of uh, this year's Comic-Con. And that is the panel with Glass and Halloween. So, Chris, tell us about the most anticipated panel of Comic-Con 2018. Oh, yes. Uh, I'm a big M. Night Shyamalan fan. I, I've, I've stuck with him even when most people have turned their backs on him. I'm a, uh, Part of that is because I, I think a lot of his movies are great, even the ones that people don't like, like, you know, The Village. And, you know, uh, another part of that is, you know, he's from Philadelphia and that's my hometown. So it's sort of like hometown pride. But uh Glass is a big, big deal. It's it's the long-awaited sequel to his film Unbreakable. I mean, I feel like ever since Unbreakable came out, people have been wanting a sequel to that, and now we're finally getting it. But it's also a sequel to uh, his recent thriller Split, which was really great. So I'm very curious to see what this is. Um, Peter, I know you saw footage of this at CinemaCon, but most everyone else really has not seen any footage of this film yet. You know, we've seen some images in Entertainment Weekly and there's the poster, but other than that, I know this film remains a bit of a mystery, so I'm very excited to see literally anything about this movie. Yeah, I'm interested to hear what you guys see, I think of what you see, because the stuff I saw at CinemaCon was such uh seemed like a single location for much of it like seemed so uh small uh for you know a sequel that we've been anticipating for so many years um so i'm, I'm interested to, hear, to see what you guys think uh but another movie that is being shown at that uh, is being promoted at that presentation is the halloween uh sequel i guess you call it reboot Re- reboot reboot quote i don't know what yeah. do you call it Reboot, reboot well, sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's both a, a reboot and a sequel. Um, it, it's ignoring pretty much every other sequel. It's just a, a direct sequel to the first film set, you know, uh, decades later. And, uh, you know, Halloween is one of my favorite films. Uh, and I like almost all the sequels, even the ones that are terrible. But I'm I'm very excited for this is because. You know, this is the first sequel in years that John Carpenter, the, you know, the director of the original Halloween, has had any real involvement with. I mean, he helped approve the script. He's doing the music for the film. And I'm very curious to see what uh, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride do with this property. I mean, uh, you know, when this was announced, they, you know, that duo was the last <laughs> A uh, group of people I would have ever thought would make a Halloween movie, but I'm very interested to see what they do with it. I mean, David Gordon Green, I know he's got a, you know a, a comedy background, but he's he's also made some really great uh, slow burn dramas. So I'm very interested to see how he brings that style to this film. And Jamie Lee Curtis is back. I'm just I'm very excited for this. And you know we we've we've already had a trailer for this, but I'm I'm dying to see what else they're going to reveal at this panel. Okay, so that is all we know about, or all all the announced panels that we are anticipating for this year's Comic Con. Um, when you're listening to this, it should be on Wednesday, and we will all be traveling to to San Diego at that time to cover this, and we'll be updating, you know, the blog and this podcast throughout uh, that weekend weekend with updates from Comic Con. So keep following us during that time if you if you are going to san diego and see us on the ground you know running around feel free to say hello uh to everybody but chris because he doesn't like human contact i'm just joking uh 
Um, and, uh, no, please. You, you can say hello to me. I just, I will, I will mumble my response back while looking down at my shoes. And I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just terrified yeah. of people. If we are running from one location to another, please don't take it as rude. If we, uh, if we don't have time to, uh, you know, have a full on conversation with you guys. Uh, but uh, we will be around all all week and weekend covering the convention and hopefully walking the show floor on like, you know, Sunday and preview night. Uh, so you'll see our coverage on the site and on the podcast all throughout. And we're excited to be there. Uh, Jacob, where can people find more of your work online? I am on slashfilm.com every single day. And I'm on Twitter where I'm at Jacob S hall, Brad, where can we find you? I'm always on SlashFilm.com, also on Twitter, at Ethan underscore Anderton, and my podcast, Go Flicks Yourself, available on iTunes and other places where you put sound in your ears. Chris, where can we find you? Uh, also SlashFilm.com, and I'm on Twitter at Evangelista 413 You can find me at SlashFilm, at SlashFilm on all social media. This podcast, SlashFilm Daily, is published every weekday uh, on uh, SlashFilm on all the popular podcast apps, including iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to peter at slashfilm.com. And please go rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we will see you tomorrow.